Hi, so Leviticus chapter 19, if you've got the red church Bibles, it's on page 183. Leviticus 19, I'm going to read the whole chapter. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Each of you must respect your father and mother, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord, your God. Do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am the Lord, your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it, or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because they have desecrated what is holy to the Lord. They must be cut off from their people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your Lord, of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven from two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a female slave who is promised to another man, but who has not been ransomed or giving her freedom, there must be due punishment. Yet they are not to be put to death because she has not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance to the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord. With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for the sin he has committed, and his sin will be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden, it must not be eaten. In the fourth year all its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord, but in the fifth year you may eat its fruit. In this way your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. Do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Do not practice divination or seek omens. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute, or the land will in turn will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah and an honest hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. Thanks for reading, Corinne. And as I said at the beginning, uh, great to see you all here. Uh, welcome back to the strange world of Leviticus. Uh, three and a half thousand years ago, strange book. Seems pretty inaccessible. A book all about animal sacrifices and priests and atonement and blood and laws about mixed fabric clothing, leprosy, mildew. Uh, we've said so far in our, our series that the central theme of the book is the holiness of God. And we saw two weeks ago that God's holiness is acknowledged by sacrifice. Sacrifices of costly devotion and sacrifices that make purification for sin. God's holy, holiness meant not just anyone could do the job of serving as priests, as mediators between this holy God and his people. Uh, it was Aaron's family called to be priests, and they had to be holy. And we've seen there was great danger if they weren't. And God's holiness made distinctions, clean and unclean. Not just anything will do for this holy God. Last week we were looking at the Day of Atonement, we saw how the only way God's holy presence can coexist with sinful human beings is through atonement being made. The Day of Atonement was an annual reminder of the holiness of God, the seriousness of sin and the kindness of God in providing a way. It would have led, I suggested, to the people responding in awe and praise and increased resolve to live lives of love and faithfulness. And this week, if you like, we see what that life of love and faithfulness looks like. We learn that God's holiness is something that his people are meant to share. So if you look at the beginning of the chapter again, chapter 19, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Now this is a new idea in the book of Leviticus. So far in Leviticus, we've seen that God's holiness is his, his otherness. He is different and set apart. But what we learn here is that his holiness is also something to be shared. His people are, are his holy, set-apart people, and they're called to reflect God's holy character. Uh, we've said in previous weeks that actions speak louder than adjectives, so the uh, book of Leviticus, you, know, you might say, if it's all about God's holiness, why isn't it just a kind of one or two sentence definition of God's holiness, some adjectives that help us understand it. But we've seen, haven't we, that uh, through the rituals of Leviticus, we, we grasp what it means for God to be holy in a far richer way. And the first half of the book is really full of rituals. The second half is full of rules, rules that express God's holy character, his ethical, moral character. But a chapter like this, Leviticus 19, raises big questions for us, doesn't it? Because these are Old Testament laws, laws under the Old Covenant. 
How do they apply to us today? I mean, there's some commands here that I guess we'd be on board with and think, yeah, that makes sense. You know, don't steal, don't lie, don't make your daughter a prostitute. But then there are others that we sense don't apply. Laws on beard trimming. <laughs> Prohibitions against polycotton t-shirts and rare steaks. But on what basis do we decide which ones apply to us and which don't? Hopefully we'll go some way to answering that this morning and we'll say more about the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant next week. But let me say up front that the command for God's people to be holy is reaffirmed and reapplied very clearly in the New Testament. What that holiness looks like will be different in some respects, but the command to be holy as God is holy still stands. So 1 Peter chapter 1 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Let me say up front, uh, we're not going to really dig into many of the specific commands in this chapter. Uh, I'm hopefully going to give you uh, some pointers, some kind of scaffolding to help orient us to the chapter and uh, give us some principles on which we can uh, read uh, more of the specific commands. Five points on the screen, hopefully. Firstly, being holy is not about how to save yourself. Uh, it's a common misconception, I think, that the way God dealt with his people in the Old Testament was based on works. Uh, that the Old Testament laws were a way for people to somehow earn their acceptance, their salvation. People had to obey the laws and be holy enough for God to accept them. And when that didn't work out, God resorted to plan B and sent Jesus to rescue us. But God's dealings with his people have always been on the basis of grace. And the Old Testament laws were never a way of earning God's favor. That is clear from the book of Leviticus itself, in the fact that these laws come in chapter 19, not in chapter 1. As we've seen, the first half of the book is all about our uncleanness and our need of atonement and the atonement that God has provided. And the second half of the book is about the response to that atoning work. Uh, we saw the same thing in the book of Exodus right, two years ago when we were uh, in Exodus. The, the Ten Commandments appear in chapter 20 of Exodus. The first half of that book is all about God's rescue, how he rescues them from slavery in Egypt, brings them to himself. Only once he has rescued them does God give them his law in the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments themselves start with a reminder of God's rescue, sometimes called command, Commandment Zero, it says, I am the Lord your God. This is chapter 20, verse 1 or 2 of Exodus. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
And so it's in the light of that that you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make any idol and you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, etc. You see the same pattern, kind of first half of the book about rescue, second half about how to live in response. You see it in the New Testament as well. Many of the New Testament letters follow that same structure. For example, Romans. The instructions about how to live start in chapter 12. You know, the first two-thirds of the book, really, are all about how God rescues us, saves us by grace alone, through faith alone. From chapter 12, it's then, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and so on. So these laws in Leviticus 19 are not about how to save yourself. Leviticus makes that clear. There's this great chasm between a holy God and sinful people, a chasm that cannot be bridged by a bit of rule-keeping, a chasm that can only be bridged by costly atoning sacrifice. And only once that atonement has been made are these laws given. Being holy is not about how to save yourself. Rather, being holy is about how to live as a saved people. And that's the second point. James, have you got the points that you can put up? Thanks. Uh, As people who have been purified, who have been cleansed, who've had your sins atoned for, that this is how you are to live. So point two, being holy is the required way of life for a saved people. Now, maybe the unsettling thing in that second point is the word required. Uh, Let me explain. Obeying the law is not required in order to be saved, but it is required for someone who has been saved. The surrounding chapters, uh, chapters 18 and 20, are all about uh, sexual morality, and they contain very strong warnings for those who reject God's commands. So just have a look back at the end of chapter 18, verse 24. God says, verse 24, Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. If you defile the land, it will vomit you out, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Really striking language, isn't it? Not just God's going to kick them out of the land, but the land is going to vomit them out if they live in these ways. Uh, We'll look at this again next week, difference between Old Covenant and New Covenant, but but the fact that holiness is a non-negotiable thing, a required thing for God's people, is very much part of the New Covenant too. Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, Revelation 3, If you do not repent, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Same sort of idea. We're not saved by our good works, by our obedience, by being holy, but we are saved for good works. We are saved to be holy. 
And if our life is marked by disregard for God's commands, then the Bible warns us very strongly. So if you come away from the passage this morning conscious of how far you fall short, convicted of your sin, your, your need for forgiveness and repentance, then take heart. That's a good sign. But if you come away from this morning thinking, well, I don't really need to pay attention to God's law, God's commands. I'm saved by grace. It doesn't really matter how I live. Well, then you need to take care. You need to heed the warning of God's words because obedience, holiness, is not an optional thing for God's people. It's the required way of living for a saved people. I hope that makes sense. More next week, but do um, ask questions in the meantime. Thirdly, being holy will mean reflecting God, not the surrounding culture. This is really getting to the heart of what holds all these laws together. So again, beginning of chapter 19, speak to the entire assembly of Israel. Say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. There's a similar thing at the beginning of chapter 18. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Similar thing at the end of chapter 20, verse 26. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. At the heart of what it means for God's people to be holy is to be like their God, to reflect his character, not the character of the surrounding nations who don't know God. Being holy means to share God's values, not the values of the surrounding culture. To be holy means to set your lifestyle by what God says, not by what culture around us says. Did you notice as Corinne read the passage that the repeated phrase, I am the Lord your God, 15 times. In other words, these are not just random ethical standards, but rather these laws are an expression of God's own character. Be holy, says God. Why? Because you're people of a holy God. That's who you are. God's holiness is to define you, to shape who you are and how you live. And the rest of the chapter fleshes out what that looks like. And the clear expectation is that that will mean conflict. God's values, God's character will not be perfectly aligned with the values and character of the culture around us. Being holy will mean being countercultural, being distinctive, being different. So although some of the laws here in Leviticus seem strange to us and we 
kind of ask those questions about which apply and which don't. The way that we decide which ones apply today cannot be done on the basis of which laws align with the values of our contemporary culture. For example, the laws on sexual morality in chapters 18 and 20, many of them are out of keeping with what our culture now says. And some people use that as a reason to reject these laws. You know, they're out of date. We now understand sex in a way that they didn't. So these laws are not for today. Leviticus is wrong. But the problem with that way of reasoning is that Leviticus was always meant to be countercultural. Being holy means being distinctive. There will always be some conflict. That the points of conflict will change from culture to culture, but there'll always be conflict. Yes, some of the laws don't apply today, but the only way to decide that is by looking at what God's word itself says, by looking at the, the teaching of the New Testament, looking at how Jesus and the apostles interpret these laws. Some of the laws are clearly fulfilled, like the food laws. You know, the food laws were, were all about making a distinction between Israel and the surrounding nations. And Jesus explicitly declares all foods are now clean. All foods can be eaten. Uh, those food laws are done away with because God's offer of salvation is now uh, open to all nations. So we can eat pork and prawns. Not because we understand food hygiene better, or because those laws just don't seem very important now. No, we can eat pork and prawns because Jesus has, has fulfilled the food laws. Other laws are explicitly affirmed and reapplied in the New Testament, such as the command about idolatry and slander and respect for the elderly. Those laws clearly carry through to our lives as Christians today. And then there are laws where it's not entirely clear and Christians differ on what we do with those and we can talk about that more in the question time next week. But the point is we make those decisions based on how the New Testament interprets these laws, not on whether those laws make sense to us or whether they align with the values of our culture. Fourthly, being holy embraces all of life. Leviticus 19 contains an enormous range of commands, doesn't it? Were you struck by that as you heard it read? And there doesn't seem to be any order. It kind of jumps from one thing to another. The NIV titles it various laws. You know, this is like the miscellaneous commands. I don't know if you've got in your kitchen the kind of second drawer down below the cutlery door where you put all the miscellaneous utensils. Leviticus 19 seems to be a bit like that, doesn't it? Just chuck them all in. A, a lot of the commands are straight out of the Ten Commandments or they're an elaboration on the Ten Commandments. So, for example, verse 11 tells us, do not steal and then that's elaborated in verse 13. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. 
Other commands address uh, issues of worship. Other commands address the life of the community. But they seem to be all jumbled in together, don't they? There's no clear order. And, and that's the point. The commands are deliberately not divided into neat categories because life isn't divided into neat categories. See, being holy isn't just about following religious rituals. And being holy isn't just about observing cultural practices. And being holy isn't just about personal morality. Being holy isn't something that you can contain in a compartment of your life because it embraces all of life. Every interaction that you have, every desire, every thought, every word, every deed, it's to be your very identity. Finally, being holy is about love for neighbor. I wonder if you spotted the phrase in the middle of the chapter that Jesus quotes in the Gospels. In fact, he quotes it more than any other Old Testament verse. When Jesus is asked about the greatest commandment, uh, he gives two, two. Two commandments that summarize the whole law. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting Leviticus 19, verse 18. Being holy is about love for neighbor. Which is quite striking, isn't it? Because I think it's easy to think that being holy is about abstaining from a bunch of immoral things. But we learn here in Leviticus 19 that at heart, being holy is about being loving being loving. It's about how you treat other people, treating them as you would like to be treated yourself. And you can see that in most of the commands in chapter 19. They come under that banner to love your neighbor as yourself. It includes respect for your parents, respect for the elderly. It prevents you from doing anything to harm your neighbor and endanger their life. It even prohibits hatred in your heart. The one area I want to briefly highlight as we finish is that love for neighbor means demonstrating justice and compassion for the vulnerable. Let's have a look at verse 9 again. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field and, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. <clears throat> Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Skip down to verse 14. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. And then over to verse 33. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Being holy means doing justice and showing compassion and care for the vulnerable, for the poor, the disabled, the foreigner. And we could add more to that 
category. And in that final verse that I read, we're given something of the motivation for living this way. Love the foreigner as yourself because you were foreigners in Egypt. In other words, you know what it's like to be a foreigner. And God has rescued you. So love the foreigner as yourself. Being holy is about reflecting God's holy character. And God is the one who supremely cares for the vulnerable, for the poor and the needy. These commands are for people who are defined by atonement. People who know their sin, who know their need, who know their hopelessness. People who've experienced amazing kindness and provision as their need for atonement has been met. So far in Leviticus, God's holiness has been a bit of a scary thing, hasn't it? He's so blazingly pure and holy that we cannot approach him. But what we see here in chapter 19 is that God's holiness is also his great love. And this is grace. It's because of God's holiness that atonement is required. And it's because of God's holiness that atonement has been made. And so for us, as people who've experienced the amazing grace of our holy God, as people who've benefited so much from his kindness, we are to pursue holiness in all we do. To pursue love for everyone we meet out of a joyful desire to reflect the beautiful character of our holy God. Let me finish with <clears throat> these words from 1 Peter. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that we're learning in this book of Leviticus about your holiness. And it is your holiness that means atonement is needed. But we see also here in chapter 19, it's your holiness that means you're willing to make atonement. It's your holy love and grace and care for poor, needy, hopeless people. That means you've provided that way of rescue and salvation. And so we pray that as your holy people, as people who have experienced that grace, who have 
experienced that rescue, who have tasted of your kindness and grace and love, that you would uh, make us increasingly holy in our lives. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And we pray that you would grow us in obedience to your commands, in holiness of life, that we might indeed reflect your beautiful character to a watching world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to take a few moments now just reflecting on, on what has been shared. So you might want to look over Leviticus 19 again. Maybe James can put up the points on the screen again. Just, you know, just take a few moments to think about how, how can you live in response and be holy as, as our God is holy.